You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel Watusi. What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Ah, oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. Hello and welcome to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking excellent. And you join us for part two of Dame Angela Lansbury with the inimitable, the incredible, the quite frankly I'm obsessed with her, Rebecca Humphreys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm obsessed with this. Obsessed, absolutely living our best lives. (laughs) If you haven't, what could be better than getting together? in a lockdown situation and just talking about fabulous people. <laughs> Literally nothing. There's nothing I'd rather do. I don't think there is. I don't think I, don't think I want to go out. I know. Yeah, fuck the outside. Just... Yeah, that sounds rubbish. <laughs> if you haven't listened to part one, off you, off you trot. Uh, you go and have a little listen to that and uh, join us again. So I did introduce uh, my husband, Tom. He's also here. <laughs> Taylor's oldest time. <laughs> left out so me and Beck's gonna have a loving <laughs> bye bye me um, yeah so if you haven't listened to part one do catch up and you will hear all about how uh, Angela was consistently um, given mum big mum energy uh, and we've just got to her basically becoming the Broadway legend absolutely um, in MAME so uh, yes just to if you've if you've forgotten from part one MAME has just hit Broadway and it is a a phenomenon yeah it opened in 1966 and was a total smash, winning her first Tony and giving her, at last, the platform to emerge from beneath all the old lady supporting roles uh, to become <laughs> a star. Bex, you a big fan of MAME? Do you know, the answer to that is not a great one. No, I'm not. I'm not. It's not big for me either, MAME. I mean, it's, a, it's not really... It really enters my consciousness. I think it's very... It's a very beloved American musical Ooh. by American people, but actually it never really... Did it make its way here? I, d- I guess it must have been at some point. I think it's like in a certain place, like it's like our town in America. That like they all they all did it at, in high school and stuff. Right. And it has oh a yeah, cachet. and like hello. I mean, it's it's getting bigger. Like it, like it's, it's sort of recognised, but it's all it's not it's not in the forefront. And that's Hello Dolly. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. like huge over there. Yeah. Exactly. But here it's like it's like it's not something that you would. It's not something you'd pop on. No, you'd no. pop on a Hello Dolly. Yeah, exactly. In the musicals as well, it's Music Man and Barnum, isn't it? Those, yeah. Those sorts of yeah, things are big, really big in the States. Yeah. I mean, and apparently this Auntie Mame had been this big, like, star vehicle and, like, a- any actress worth her salt had done an Auntie Mame. Um, so maybe that was what it was. Like, it built up a kind of momentum through that and then the musical came out and they were like, oh, there's a musical of Auntie Mame. I don't know. Do you know, do you know what? Like, don't get me wrong I've seen I've seen many pictures of Angela Lansbury in a big first stole walking down a staircase with yeah. Mame <laughs> there's among some of my favourite pictures of Angela Lansbury but, yes. I, um, but I've never actually seen it you can see why it's entered popular legend though yeah we should have a movie night we shall mm. do that we'll watch her uh... Watch Mame together. Oh, lovely. Oh, lovely. Oh, lovely. Dreamy. Um, so it's obviously it's a very significant musical and in Angela's career and her personal life. And she picked up yet another diva, Bezzy, B. Arthur. Hey. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. B. Arthur play frenemies in it. Oh, my God. What's going on? It's just too she, much. She's got to be a great woman, hasn't she? Like, a good yeah. person. She's obviously just... You know how, like, you, you do a job? I remember when I used to, you know, work, work as an actress. You do a job and you'd be like, oh, there's my keeper. She's obviously everyone's keeper. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I don't want to get rid of you. Yeah, yeah, you're staying. You're, yeah. you're a real-life person. Yeah, exactly. It's usually only one or two, isn't it, that yeah. slip through the net? But she seems to have been consistently She's everyone's that. like, yeah. yeah, I want to hang out with Angela Lansbury forever. All divas as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So how do you follow up a genre-defying turn in a musical in which you play the starring role? Why? Playing a 75-year-old Parisian eccentric in a musical version of a poetic French satire, of course. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they call a range. Yeah, exactly. She does have the range, darling. <laughs> she does. Oh. Range. I mean, so it was called Dear World, right? <laughs> and it was pretty much panned again. Uh, but Anne's got a second Tony, and she thinks it's her finest vocal performance. And you, if you if you listen to it, you can see it is. It's a what? It's a big sing. Oh, she's a big sing. <laughs> 
and it's all over the shop. You know, it's like right at the top of her range and really down the bottom. And she's playing a, a mad woman. <laughs> like, and having again the time of her life. So far, it's like the Angela Lansbury checklist. And she's yeah. range all over the place. Tick. Yeah. <laughs> playing a mad woman. Tick. <laughs> Yeah. Older than I am, excellent. Yeah. Uh, co-starring with another diva, tick. <laughs> yes, a 75-year-old uh, eccentric, why not? Um, and she followed that up with Pretty Belle, in which she played a wealthy alcoholic who fetishises black men. Uh, it never reached Broadway, and uh, probably for the best, by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's gloss, yeah. gloss over Pretty Belle, I well, think. Again, again, we'll just gloss over that one. Not yeah. so Pretty Belle. <laughs> <laughs> But I, as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a real sense of what a laugh. Yeah. The whole yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll give that a go. <laughs> um, so we're entering an absolute shit show of, uh, of a year fan here. Her house in Malibu burned down. Her son, Anthony, had a heroin overdose. And, <gasps> and Deirdre was hanging out with Charlie fucking Manson. <laughs> You are joking. No. Deirdre hung out with the Manson family. Isn't that bizarre? What a year. What a year. What a fucking year. Do you think she went worming or what was it they called it? Uh, creepy crawling. Creepy crawling. Yeah. Is there anything around with some creepy crawling? With the, What's that? The I don't know what that is. It's where they used to go and like rob people's bins yeah, and stuff. Yeah, they used to like, yeah, like break into people's houses just to creep them out and like move stuff around. I mean, when they, you know, that was <laughs> compared with what, what happened tame. we got in. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Comparatively, yeah. Again, there's a range. Yeah. <laughs> it's a spectrum murder. Yeah, there's definitely a spectrum of, of the Manson clan, it seems. Yeah, exactly, Absolutely. yeah. It's a so bit, that's a it's lot a bit of the like Daily Mail, used... people from your, from your life. Yeah. <laughs> I go to a, a, a really fancy yoga studio in Primrose Hill. There used to be some kids who would come in and, uh, like, move all the shoes around. <laughs> And we were all in the studio. Oh, shit. Or, like, throw them across the floor and stuff. And all these, like, really rich women would come out and be like, what have you done? <laughs> this is, I feel violated. Sounds, sounds a bit like that. Um, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Sounds a lot like that. Obviously, obviously, it's a gateway drug. It's okay. in, in, t- in the Manson clan, would seem. <laughs> Moving shoes, graduate to full full murder. Let's I... hope Deirdre was only involved in that bit. Yeah, exactly. I think she wasn't hang- She wasn't around for that long. Like, but she she knew them and, like... She dipped in. She dipped in, and she probably she probably fucked Charles Manson. Let's put it that way. Like he, oh you didn't. If God. you were a young woman hanging out with Charlie, yeah, like, it's pretty unlikely that she didn't. Time to move to Ireland. <laughs> 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 That's what she did. Moved the picked out the family, moved them to over to Ireland. Fuck me, that is one way to get your mum's attention, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. To get Eddie Monsoon's attention, but things <laughs> took off again for Ange literally when she gave the world the Stone Cold Classic. Bed knobs and broomsticks, in which she Thank played a you. fucking witch who fights Nazis. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's my dream role, yeah, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? it a, what a film! Was it? Was it a, a defining one for you as a kid? Yeah, I loved it so much. And of course, it was that there at the same time as Mary Poppins, right? And it's yes. the same, you know, animation meets real life, which is when you're a kid. Yeah, it, like. All of your Christmases and birthdays coming at once. Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Space Jam, of course, and Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, oh. I, I mean that I still I still listen to um, Substitutionary Locomotion in my car <laughs> whenever I want to fit. Whenever I want to be like, yeah, I can do this. Amazing. I put it on and like pretend I'm casting spells as I like drive down the M25. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I, I loved it as well. And I remember it blew my mind that it had the same guy in it. It was the dad from Mary Poppins. Of course, David Tomlinson. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, it's like, what on earth? And people really write it off, I think, because they, they're like, oh, it's a rip-off. But they bought the rights. The boy, rights to Bed, Loves and Broomsticks have been bought before Poppins. So it's like, it's just an accident of timing, really, on the, on the studio's part. Julie Andrews has offered it. Yes. And she, yeah, she turned it down and then changed her mind. <laughs> She was like, change your mind. Yeah, she came crawling back, and they were like, "Sorry, we've got Angela Lansbury to do it." <laughs> Isn't that mad? Winner, thanks. Yeah, exactly. You would hope that because she's so nice and everyone's friend, Julie Andrews would have gone. You know what? She needs it this year. <laughs> Give her the broomsticks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But it, I, I think I like it maybe more than Poppins because it's creepy. It is creepy, isn't it? It's creepy as dark. It's really... It features Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> it features it features the home front battling <laughs> like. What seems to be like 
the majority of the main force. <laughs> like they really up the stakes as well. They're like, they're the really, really dangerous ones. And like, yeah. and, and, exactly. and Eglantine Price sorts them out. With, yeah, Goering's with, outside, send the, send the apprentice witch out to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, the apprentice witch is there with her suits of armour with no one in them. <laughs> You know how all like everyone in this country basically thinks that they fought the Nazis. Do you think they get it from bedknobs and broomsticks? Like they're all like, "Yeah, I was there on the front line." Oh wait, no, I, I mean, watched bedknobs and broomsticks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh My wait, mistake. that is yeah, that was that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's there's there's you know, it could be argued that it's very propaganda driven. <laughs> could be. <laughs> it could be argued. <laughs> However, so. yeah. Maybe we should do a, a sequel to Bend Loves and Broomsticks about fighting coronavirus. I am absolutely, I mean, I'm staking my claim here on a, on a, a film reboot of Bend Loves and Broomsticks. Oh my God, you'd be fucking perfect. I am, I've, I've got, yeah, I'm, I'm flying the flag there. I'm doing it. I think that could happen. <laughs> I, I'm fully, look, Poppins returns. Eglantine, yeah. <laughs> she yeah. returns. She, right, fl- she flies star. again. Right. Okay. So good. The first thing we do, we're getting Moonstruck off the off the ground, and then we're yeah, we'll do that. then we're gonna pitch. We're gonna get up an act, and then from within, we're gonna get this Bread Knobs reboot done. Oh, obsessed. Yeah, let's do it. Amazing. In 1973, Ange was eventually persuaded to take on Mama Rose in Gypsy in the West End. She'd been reticent to do it, uh, following in Ethel Merman's footsteps. I can't beat her in the singing game, she said, and she can't beat me in the acting game. So there's no contest. Uh, she was obviously iconic in the role and eventually took it to Broadway and won her third Tony in 75. Bex, would you like to give Hi. your mum a rose one day? <laughs> Are you joking? Of course I would. That'd be amazing. Well, maybe I can follow in Angela's footsteps and play it now, age 33. With a, with a, with a daughter who's like four years younger. Exactly. I just... I, that be something. She is so... I mean, did you see Imelda? Uh, I saw it on on the on iPlayer. The te- yeah, yeah, the iPlayer. How old am I? <laughs> <laughs> Got it on the iPlayer. Yeah, someone oh. told me about it on the Facebook. Yeah. I guess it's like you have. You know, every generation has a Mama Rose, and I think for for, for the foreseeable, Imelda is going to be ours. But I think my ultimate Mama Rose is Angela, more than even than Ethel. I think as well, like to play Mama Rose, it's like it's sort of their love letter, isn't it? It's sometimes love letter to exactly what it was that we've been talking about yes. which is like the like you play you like all these mum roles that exist as sort of nothing yeah to go we're gonna make that role the best one right ever <laughs> exactly <laughs> of musical theater oh like, it's so good yeah and the people it attracts I mean my god yeah Imelda and Angela but I remember seeing Bette Midler oh. doing it on DVD mm. When I was very young. Oh my god! Oh, it's so good. It's so Lupone good. is uh, the Americans like that's their sort of yeah one at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, because they didn't get Imelda. All right, we discussed this. Did in they the... transfer it? I don't know. I think we discussed this in the Lupone episode. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm fairly sure they didn't see it. Bernadette but... had a go as well. Bernadette. I don't. I don't see Bernadette for Mama Rose. I see her for a lot of things, but not Mama Rose. No, she's just a bit. There's just um. She, she, well, basically, when all said and done, she's not such an iconic. I'm going I'm to sound like I'm being derogatory. I'm not because this is my casting. Yeah. <laughs> like, sort of very f- front-footed, like slightly size twelve, sure, like kind of brassy. Yeah. There's, with a real flippancy about it. Yeah. I just don't think, I think, don't think Bernadette Peters sums that up for me. No, no, absolutely. And she's too, I think this is a vulnerability to, to Bernadette when you get her like in Dot, for instance, in Sunday. There's strength, but it's also got a kind of, I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a sort of febrile mm. sexuality as well, which I don't. I, I need to, I need like a core of iron for Mama Rose. She's quite wee as well. She's a bit like a nymph, a wood nymph, isn't yeah. she? She's got that sort of energy. Whereas mm. don't really feel like Lansbury has that. Mind you, yeah. mind you, so has Imelda, I guess. But Imelda's yeah. got, she, you know, she's she's about five foot tall, if that. Mm. Yeah. But she's um, but she's got all of those qualities, right? Yes. She She sort of has, she has it all within her. I, I saw her in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh. And um, it was one of the best 
performances I've ever seen. Oh, I bet on stage because it was like she was. She, it's like she was ten foot tall. Everyone, everyone was te- scared of her. <gasps> amazing. Opposite Conleth as well. Oh, I know oh, he was so good. He's so good, isn't he? He's amazing. Yeah. Oh, incredible. <laughs> Now Angela is the queen of of Broadway. She's after after Mama Rose. Um, it is like because I think the cast recording with Ethel Merman had been bigger than the actual live. I think they, they didn't do that many uh, live performances of Gypsy, so people hadn't had the chance to see it before. And the, the book is incredible. Like the story is as good as the mm. music. Um, so in um, she popped pop back to the UK in 75 to give a quick Gertrude and Peter Hall's Hamlet why not uh then bizarrely this is mental she went into the king and I in 78 for 24 performances um (laughs) she literally just popped in literally popped in did 24 performances and how it came about was because Yul Brenner wanted to go on holiday (laughs) she (laughs) what she played the king no no (laughs) Your brother was like, can I go on holiday? I'm really tired. I've been playing this role for ages. My whole life. Yeah. So they were like, all right, fine. Yule wants a holiday. Let's give Constance Towers a break as well and get Angela Lansbury in for three weeks to play the role. <laughs> oh, so they would have would have needed a star to exactly. drive it if they didn't have your Brinner. Yeah, they were like, okay, we can just about get away with this if we get Angela in the role. That and... is incredible. Isn't it? And I, I'm I... obsessed with that idea of being like, I kind of like that part. I guess I'd want to play it. But what I don't want to do is rehearse or do a full run. Exactly. <laughs> I can't be fucked. And she said, she said about it, there's an interview when someone basically is like, why did you... Why did you do that? <laughs> she was like, I wanted to. I wanted to try the role out. And um, she got to, oh. like, I think Hammerstein uh, conducted it as well. So she was like, why not? It was great fun. <laughs> but like, if you, I- were gonna, if you were going to do that, like, so it's not your dream role. Oh, the one you pop it's into. Something, it, what would you, what would you sort of go? Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, oh, that's a really good question. Do you know what? I always wanted to do an Eponine. Purely, but it's Ooh. so fucking boring, isn't it? Really, like once you've done, you've done the big number. You like, well, like everyone, I guess you're just hanging around in the background on the barricades, aren't you? Fontaine's worse. Fontaine's fucking worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, she loved it. She loved At least she get act two off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know this deal about Fontaine? That the reason she's not in act two, like normally, you know, everyone else basically doubles and like hangs around on the barricades with a rifle or something. The reason that Fontaine's track doesn't do it is because Lapone hid when she during rehearsals. <laughs> She, Fazi Lupo literally hid in re- the rehearsal rooms. So they couldn't find her. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Incredible scenes. Inc- so good. Oh, obsessed. That's not me. That's not Did me. you hear the story about Lamez about when um, on the West End someone looked around one night and saw someone on the barricade that had never been there before and it was Glenn Close? No. <laughs> Fuck off. Looking for Lapone. <laughs> Yeah. Oh wait, no, I'm wrong about that. I'm wrong. Glenn Close was the one in Hook, the pirate yes. in Hook. Yes. No in Hook. It was Judy Dench. <laughs> Dench. It was Judy Dench, and it was really yes. recent. It was when she was doing. I think she was doing Winter's Tale, so she was getting on, and she wasn't in Act Two because she plays Countess. Oh. And so she was like, "I know what I'll do." <laughs> no <laughs> Just pop way. Into I'll literally pop down the road on Shaftesbury Avenue. Oh no. No one's gonna say no. I'm Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> Fuck also, it. if it was recently as well, she's she's been blind for quite a while. Yeah, now. yeah she can't really see. I think it was about. I think it must have been about like seven or eight years ago. Yes, I remember that, yeah. that kind of recent. Oh my but, god! But yeah, it, she turned you would, up. You? She what? rocked up on the barricade. <sighs> so good. I love shit like that. So, what would you do? What would be your just pop in and do it? It's a great question. What would I? What would I pop in to do? I guess. Well, you have those ones, don't you, that you've always sort of really wanted to do and you want to be the person who goes, this person's playing this now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm. The marquee casting. Yeah. Something that's... Mm, maybe something like The Baker's Wife. <gasps> oh, you'd be so good. Something like that. Oh, amazing. No, actually, no, I want, no, I want to play that. Yeah. I just said I'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> Then that is how easy it is to win me over. <laughs> no, you need a full run of the baker's wife. Oh, your agent must have such an easy time. <laughs> You'd be so good. All right, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> Obviously, like, you want to play Mrs. Lovett, baker's yes. wife, Calamity Jane. Ugh. Like, these are the things. Yeah, the witch. Um, oh. oh, 
yeah, I'm see, I've never really been that big on the witch. Oh, so we really? Wouldn't, we wouldn't fight over that. That's good. Again, look, when 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 we can go back into live performance, guys, don't worry. I'll do the witch. Bex will do Baker's wife. Yeah, Just get the rest of the crowd around us. And then of course, and then of course, there's all three shares in the share show. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, then, two out of three. Yeah, fine, done. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, I, I think I'm going to go with. Sorry, I know I'm, I'm, I'm taking up too much time no, because no. I really want to get this right. <laughs> um, leave it with me because I will uh, suddenly it'll pop up. Amazing! I love it. It's, it's so and good. Who you it's, who? One of the Judys in Judy. Oh, yeah, mid mid Judy. <laughs> mid Judy. Judy. Because <laughs> you don't you don't really want to do that, but also it'd be quite fun to pop in for 24 performances Just to do and, a little and do mid Judy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like, am I being mad or is it a bit weird that she's basically played like old birds for almost all of her career and then at 53 she goes and plays Anna and the King and I which is like that's quite a young oh part yeah she does. <laughs> she's like fuck it why not and and the other thing yeah. she said was we British actors are used to playing repertory <laughs> I mean, sorry, did I miss did I miss when she did a season in rep Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you also you haven't really lived in the Bloody UK. No. Yeah, we <laughs> British actors, indeed. <laughs> like almost like they don't even do the rep; they're just born knowing it. <laughs> That's she's also implying that because she's we British, know rep, she knows darling. what reps like. Yeah, exactly. she's never done it. <laughs> I love that though because she can be whichever nationality she wants to. She, she, well, she can be English when it suits her and American. Yeah, whenever she feels like it. Yeah, because that's why you can't quite place her accent, Green. really, can you? It's like, what is that? kind of quite like rounded <laughs> it is it's mad it's very weird she does the advantage i think to americans she sounds british and yeah. to us she sounds american yeah so she's got the best of both worlds repertory fan Ange <laughs> managed to squeeze in her first film in seven years death on the nile uh, but whatever we're getting to sweeney so come on <laughs> how do you feel about sweens <sighs> sween you team sween are you joking <laughs> I'm obsessed with Sweeney Todd. I think Sweeney Todd was like an iconic moment for mm. me in my journey as a young person who loved musical theatre. Yes. Because I think it was the first time that we had done a show where I was like, this is like balls to the wall drama. Yes. That I feel like understands me in a different way. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you're, really ang- when you're a really angsty teenager and you're like, Sweeney Todd what's that and then like you hear this whistle go yes and suddenly there's all this stuff and you're just like that's me <laughs> and those are my feelings <laughs> that's how you're called to musical theatre you hear yeah. the, hear the yeah. whistle and, and everyone else was like every other musical is happy yeah and then suddenly it's like not only is this sad it's not quite Les Miserables sad it's like actively angry yes and like and it was just, oh, I remember it was so sexy and so good. Oh, it's so good. Until, it? of course, Angela comes out. It's like, <laughs> this is not a sexy musical, is it? But the fact remains. <laughs> the fact remains. Sondheim um, is like the Pied Piper, isn't he? To sort of like nerdy, MT, obsessed teenagers. Yeah. Like he's, we hear the song. Yeah, it's like. Sondheim sounds the klaxon. Appeals to goth culture. Yes. But also. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my god! There's definitely there's definitely a cross section. Yes. Were you in it at Lambda? No, I wasn't. Oh. We did Guys and Dolls. Oh, oh! Please tell me you were Adelaide. Yeah, because I was. I was about to flip the like, fucking table. <laughs> born, born show off. <laughs> Give me it. I've never done Sweeney Todd's. I did. The, I was in the chorus for it at, at said musical theatre group. Amazing. Um. And I was kind of okay with that. I was like, great, really excited. Don't know this musical until obviously like all the leads piped up and started doing their songs. And I was like, this has been Rob. <laughs> what the fuck has happened? <laughs> this, is, this is this is the best thing ever. This is an outrage. It is so good. And I got the, di- and I got the DVD and everything. <gasps> I watched it all the time. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? Um, love it or leave it. Love it, love it. I've given my love it. Um, <laughs> she was big. <laughs> <laughs> she was big she was big I played when it. did you do it I'd have been 20 or 21 I was at uni and I played it in our like college auditorium which was <laughs> smaller than my performance let's put it that way <laughs> <laughs> I once got a review that said Rebecca Humphreys bursts into all four corners of this production and I was like that read <laughs> That is a read. I live it. I live for is it. That a read. <laughs> That's oh, such a backhanded compliment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Oh, but I, I modelled my performance on Angela's because I just, for me, she just is the role, 
even down to the hair, the two like the two mad buns on the side of her head. Oh, it's such oh. a great decision, iconic. Oh, I love and it. then like, and then you see the you see some of the choices <laughs> in her performances, and it's like, wow, she's unhinged. And it's so big that casting man. Some, some of them, um, some of them are nonsensical, <laughs> but yeah, and yeah, it just it, it, it just creates this like sem- like seminal older woman performance oh mm. it's just it's so wonderful actually there's pretty much a part for most women who can sing throughout their career as well like if you're okay so not many people have got a, a, a top sop like joanna don't worry about it not many people like beggar woman lucy's quite high as well but don't worry about it you can you can you'll be able to do love it um yeah although that is also is it an exciting concept that the older you get, the better your parts get. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's Steve. Yeah. We, um, that's Steve, that's baby. Steve, baby. That's Steve, guys. We struggled for um, older people. So we got one of the fellows to play the judge. And you know the end where Sweeney's like, spoiler alert, the judge, I have no time, and then slits Lucy's throat. Um, the fellow missed his cue and so the poor lad was like oh the judge i have no time and then the orchestra just had to vamp that that ver- that um that bit do 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 oh well, when he's yeah for what felt like eternity he had lots of time it turns out <laughs> i was hiding behind an oven at the time like i don't know what he on swedish had to start like start polishing his knives for something to do and then <laughs> this fucking academic twat which apparently <laughs> on the film the set of the film is what Helena Bonham Carter what Johnny Depp would do when Helena Bonham Carter and Tim Burton were falling out he'd go and polish his knives he just because apparently he's quite shy Johnny Depp like when he's on set and stuff so he's I mean I'm not yeah let's not yeah. go too, too deep into Johnny Depp <laughs> yeah. uh, poor, poor, poor guy <laughs> yeah I'll bless. yeah no not, this is not a sympathetic thing but <laughs> no, Bonham Carter was saying that they that was the last film they did where that they had to make a decision about how they were going to move forward in terms of working together because they met on Planet of the Apes and I think I think Sweeney was the first time they'd properly worked together and they had to change their working dynamic going forward because it became too influenced by their marriage. Oh, right, sure, yeah. Because Tim is a director, he's got to direct in a certain way, she's an actor, she performs in a certain way. Like, so th- those two things were clashing yeah. because the husband and wife team were not the same team. And so they would have massive fucking blow-ups on the set and Depp apparently would just stand there with his knives and just be like... <laughs> just try and stay out of it by polishing his oh knives yeah <laughs> I love the idea of Tim Burton yes. with his huge mane of curly weird hair and Helen Von Carter with her huge mane of curly weird hair <laughs> screaming at each other and Johnny Depp's out in the middle polishing a knife yeah like it looks like Badger and Wind in the Willows in that as well <laughs> oh my god he does oh my god yeah, yeah. yes good shout yeah. in, in the National Theatre production as well the seminal Wind of the Willows <laughs> Oh yes. Sorry, I thought you meant Johnny Depp in the National Theatre. Like, oh my god, no. <laughs> Times aren't that hard. First the far show, now the national. Yeah. So Sweeney opened <laughs> on Broadway in seventy nine and it earned her, her fourth Tony and obviously it spawned a visible from space homage in Fitzwilliam College Auditorium. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Wall of China and your love it. <laughs> My love it. Uh, a bit tired of packing and unpacking suitcases, Ange and Peter settled in New York and decided to get something cooking in TV. I think we know where this is going. So the upshot Hello. was, of course, the role of Jessica Fletcher in Murder, She Wrote. Oh, no, Murder, She Better Wrote, which premiered in 1984. Back to you, a fan. I... I love Murder, She Wrote and I remember watching it at my nan's house when nothing else was on and I enjoyed it so much because that nan looks exactly like Angela Lansbury <gasps> in Murder, She Wrote. No way. I remember it. I just remember being like, this is really visceral. <laughs> like, it's, a real three, it's an immersive experience, Murder, She Wrote. This is an immersive murder experience. <laughs> Somewhat like Deirdre and the Manson gang. <laughs> I, I have a real, I have a real, and I'm, I know I'm not alone, a real affection for an elderly female busybody sorting out murder. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> whose who's job it isn't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but who gets involved all the same. A curtain twitchy nana that wants to solve crimes. Yeah. It's like Agatha Christie 101, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love how tame it is as well. Like, it's so... Like, there's no gore in it. Yes, it's about murder, but there's, like... A child can watch it and be absolutely unscathed. It's, it's fabulous. 
<laughs> it's one of the things RuPaul watches on repeat, isn't it? He's got always got it on in the background. Hey. Yeah, that and Oprah. I mean, if Good. AJ and the Queen. No, we won't. No, we won't. We, no, we're not going not. there. No. So in 19... Oh my God, I love this. In 1989, her own company, Cornwall Productions, began co-producing the show alongside Universal. Yes, please. Go um, on, girl. Oh, of course. Of course she did. Of course she was like, I'm going to come on board with this. It ran for 264 episodes and boosted her profile immeasurably, uh, allowing her to tick off one of the rarest but most beloved of Diva Bingo staples, releasing a fitness video. <laughs> and now comes the crux of it. Please, can we just... Finally, the bit that everyone was waiting for. Angela Lansbury's positive moves, my personal plan for fitness and well-being. Can we just, can we just? It's the best thing on the internet. <laughs> it is. And we don't say that lightly because. There's a lot of good stuff out there. But this, if you've not seen it, listeners, get on the, get on the old World Wide, World Wide Web and type in Angela Lansbury. W, double W, yes. full stop. Geocities dot. I would suggest that if you didn't want to watch the hour long, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't, but in case that you don't, um, you must type into YouTube, Angela Lansbury, self-care. Oh. And what you've got there is seven minutes that you'll start watching bemusedly. <laughs> but before you know what's happened, it's over. Because it is, it is like the most, it's transfixing, it's, it's energizing it's uplifting it's just everything it's i love it so, so much angela in the bar oh. angela applies moisturizer <laughs> angela, like... okay. it's the peachy tones as well everything looks like it's sort of bathed in nectarines and it's just it's so soothing to my mind it's very thought through it is it's auteured it, is what it is it's auteured <laughs> there's a real vision there yeah, yeah. And that vision is to make you feel relaxed. Yes. Yeah. You can tell she's been producing Murder, She Wrote. Exactly. She's got it down. <laughs> she knows what she's doing at that point. But how ahead of the curve to be like, yeah, yeah. Angela Lansbury invented self-care, guys. Well, when you, It's really funny because when you watch it, I'm going to stop being serious now and everyone realises, oh, she, she means it. Um, when, you, um, when you watch it again, there's stuff that she talks about in that that is like now we're hearing on a much more mainstream level but at the time basically her her mission statement is you are allowed to take care of yourself and in doing so that's how you are beautiful it's amazing yeah and also like there's the notion of growing old and the notion of of get being older but still being sexy like you can decide it's your decision as to when that stops it's like this is stuff that like people have just caught on to literally that's so true this woman's a pioneer she is a pioneer she we're talking this woman basically in a career that spans all disciplines of performance also invented self-care and produced (laughs) while she did it like it's phenomenal like, well, it's, it's probably happened as a result of her knowing how to take care of herself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love the idea as well, as we've been talking of like Angela Lansbury and Elizabeth Taylor talking about exactly the same thing, like self-care and crystals and shit that me and like my friend Polly talk about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, and in a way, it's us. Angela <laughs> convincing her to carry a rose quartz. I'd be like, this will get your husband number 10, babe. I bet she does. I bet she does. I bet she does as well. Can you? Ugh, obsessed. So in 1991, she completed her EGOT. Uh, for those, I mean, I was going to say for those who aren't familiar, but everyone not, knows not the podcast. Surely not the podcast for you if you don't know what an EGOT is. Uh, Emmys for Murder, she wrote. Tony's a go-go. How did she get the set, do you reckon, Bex? How did she get, what, sorry? How did she get set. her EGOT? Oh, um, she wrote. Yeah. Yep. Tony's for everything. Tony, of course. Cross the board. Twice, not no less. Tones, Oscar, tones, tones, best tones, original song. Yes. For? Beauty and the Beast. She yeah, got it for being a singing teapot. Yes. Of course. And, and Grammy for the same thing, I'd wager. Yeah, That's definitely. Right. You're right. And the Golden Globe as oh. well for best original song. Oh, I mean. What a banger. Can we just discuss that, that track? <laughs> like, it is. Oh. It's also important to note she does have an honorary 
Academy Award as well. Yes, on top of her she tea, has an honorary her teapot Oscar work. Well. Um, her performance as Mrs. Potts is it is comfort. Yes, it, like it is the voice of comfort. Those those glory days of Disney. Mm-hmm. The Renaissance from I know it all because of my show. Oh, yes, Eighty nine yeah. to ninety seven, when they got Howard Ashman and Anna Menken involved. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's what happened, and they just decided to go. Hey, um, you know all those um, princesses who have like seven lines in their own film. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's going to wash anymore. Um, and maybe we should start doing stuff that's like led by them. And then they were like, "Well, they need good songs, so let's get these people from Broadway to do it." Yeah, it is so, like oh my and then they and then start thinking about periphery characters and how they can have their own music and inform and mrs Poss is such a good example of that and they yes. said didn't they that Be- beauty and the beast was the first one the first disney film that they decided to actively make as a broadway musical like it was they 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 molded it on a broadway musical oh so my God, like that's amazing i didn't realize yeah that. so oh the like the dancing and the music like nothing appears on it apart like obviously there's like you know a candlestick of teapot whatnot <laughs> but like nothing appears that wouldn't would look out of place on stage in a Brazil. everything's grounded for example oh my like, god oh my god of it's, course right because <gasps> something did little mermaid come first before it little mermaid was first and like yeah and that you can't do that as a sh- well you impossible can't, because but... it's filmic yeah yeah Absolutely. oh that's so interesting and then um, with that they got Paige O'Hara who was on Broadway and they were like, who do we get to be this in this Broadway, like in this Broadway show? It has to be Angela Lansbury. Oh my God, isn't that amazing? It's so great. Oh, I love it. You I said till 1997, so what's considered to be the last good one? Or what do you Is consider it? to be the last good one? Because I know what I consider and it's my favourite one. Think, Which one? I think Mulan is generally considered to be the last great one. What with Donny Osmond and that. Yes. Good. <laughs> that includes I, mine then. I think Mulan is, <laughs> of that era is probably the most feminist as well, isn't it? Mulan's great. Really. Yeah. It's a uh, friend of the pod, Nicola Fyche, his consort, Paddy Fyche's favourite yeah. Disney film, isn't it? It's a great. Mine is Hercules. I live for Hercules. Oh, I love it. You've never it. seen it, had you? I'd it's never seen it until ago. we got together, which is it's so fabulous. Oh, it's, my God. I think it's the funniest Disney by far. The script is the best. But the live action remake doesn't isn't going to have the songs in it? Hercules? Yeah. They're going to just the do Alan it. Menking songs. The, 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 yeah, they're not going to do the music. That's a joke. It's, it's a fucking disgrace. <laughs> if they get Will Smith to play Hades, I'm going to fucking lose my shit. <sighs> I didn't even see Aladdin. I didn't want to. No, not interested. Stress no, me you. out. I will watch Little Mermaid because Little Mermaid is my favourite film. Oh, I, I love Little Mermaid. Who is playing Ursula now? Have we decided? Ooh. I don't know. I don't know who got it Because it was, there was talk of Melissa McCarthy, wasn't there? Ooh. Yeah. There was a petition to make it Ginger Minge. <laughs> oh. Can you even? I'm actually going to say it should be a drag queen because of Divine. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly, yeah. Would have been, oh. That would have been the most progressive, best and most intelligent choice. That's clearly not what they've gone with, but... <sighs> <laughs> but if you ask me... So sadly, Peter passed away in 2003... Um, which, you know, after 54 years of marriage. And in 2014, she spoke really movingly about how she carried on without him. And she credits Emma Thompson offering her Nanny McPhee as being the sign that she needed to throw herself back into work. Bless her little heart. That makes me want to weep until there is nothing left of me. Exactly. Oh, my God. If you look at the video, she's, she's, she, does, she cries in it. And it's just, oh, my God. As, watching Angela Lansbury wipe away a tear... I never want to see that. No, it, I'm not don't, don't put yourself through it. But it is—it's so moving. Oh, I love her. Can I? Can I share something? Please. When everything that happened to me happened to me, yeah, Emma Thompson reached out to me <gasps> because she is a genuinely wonderful, supportive, caring woman that cares about other women. Oh my God! Isn't that amazing? It's just, just to a, say, an hey, amazing thing. I hope you're okay. Yeah. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Well done. Like, good for you. One sec. One sec. Can you hear me? Because I think my AirPods are Oh, we got you, babe. Don't worry. We got you. That's incredible. I knew her her a bit. Yeah. I leaned forward. Is that better? Oh, no, we got you, babe. Don't worry. Yeah, you you be kind. Yeah, Um, yeah, I I knew her a bit. Um, But yeah, she, she did. 
and oh. it, when I heard, I didn't realise that about about Angela Lansbury, but um, yeah, she's she's a good person who sees people in trouble and wants to wants to help them. Isn't oh, that just great? Isn't that amazing? Do you know what? That's interesting that you have a link to her because um, um, she's a diarist as well. She just published. They just published these Sense and Sensibility diaries. Really? Yeah, and about hey. yeah, and it relates her like. Uh, falling in love with Greg and and like taking this amazing step to be uh, having done the adaptation and playing Eleanor and stuff. Yeah, and do, do you know Jess Bircher? No, she's a mate of ours. She um, th- she did a, a beautiful play called Spark that was at, at, at Vault a couple of years ago. Oh uh, yes, I yes I remember that happening. Yeah, and Emma Thompson's a big friend of hers, and she came up to the Fringe, and Emma Thompson was on the Royal Mile fucking flyering. Like she puts her money where her mouth is to to help women, I think. <laughs> well, the reason that we became friends of sorts, you know, we're not we're not close by any means, but um, uh, is because I, someone from From Queen went up to her in the abattoir bar and said, "This person's your biggest fan," <gasps> and she just got five stars today from the standards. And oh Emma went God. up to me and I and said, "I said, please, we can't," and she said, "I will try to come," and then. When she got home, this is such a weird thing. I went for a, I used, I have a thing in Edinburgh where like you have to take care of yourself. So yeah. every so often I'll go to like this this weird Thai massage place and like <laughs> that is basically like a trestle table so with important, some tea though. lights. Yeah, oh, great. I love it. Oh. Um, and uh, when I came out, I had a voicemail and I listened to it and it said, "Hey Rebecca, this is Emma Thompson. <laughs> um, I just got back to London and on my doorstep." is a card from our mutual friend who said, if there's one thing you do when you go to Edinburgh, you must see prom queen. No way. And she was like, I just want to tell you that I'm so sorry, but you've got my number now. Oh my God. All this God. stuff. She's just great. But yeah, she did that. She reached out to me at Isn't that time. Isn't that amazing? And that was, your, that was the first year with prom queen, wasn't it? Because it moved to assembly, didn't it? The year after. Yes, it did. Yeah, wow. it, was the first, it was the first year. Oh, but beautiful. yeah, I'm, I'm indebted to her. Like, oh, you know, and everyone and everyone that reached out during that time. But, you know, when you just go, yeah, sometimes it's just nice to know that the people who present themselves as one way are, are exactly ex- that way. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, Marion Keyes did that to you as well, didn't she? Mar- another one. Yeah, <laughs> Marion Keyes did too. Yeah, she's a wonderful woman. I love that. So, like she, she's joy personified. You know? oh, I mean, isn't that just that is what makes me so proud of other women sometimes is is when you know we, we were speaking about I think we, were, we weren't, weren't actually recording we were talking about um comparison and how uh we are programmed as women to uh, process our own worth in relation to other women but when you have these beautiful moments of community and communion across our uh, sex, gender—you know, whatever it is. Uh, women with with spelt with an X. When we when we do lift each other up, and and that is, I think that is what is at our core. And we're retraining away from this patriarchal structure of comparison to just be, I don't know, celebratory. I love it. I love it. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh. <sighs> so in the last decade, Ange has basically worked her tits off getting rave reviews from great plays <laughs> with great actors such as James L. Jones going on fucking tour in her eighth <laughs> decade. I mean... Didn't do we... rep though, did she? Just going to stick that boot in. Um... And getting her honorary Oscar. Nothing could stop her. Oh, wait. Oh, God. Oh, no. Is she weighing in on me too? Oh, please, God, no. Oh, right. Okay. Now, oh, yeah, so and... the me too thing, this is... She's... It's not... It really pisses me off when people don't get the full quote and just like the council fucking police. So basically, she she gave. I don't. Did, did you did you follow this at all, Bex? Did you hear about it? No. Yeah, I mean, she got like momentarily cancelled. I mean, in 2017, she gave an interview to the Radio Times, uh, and some comments were not great, but they were taken out of context. And she got a, a fucking massive internet pile on. And what she said was this: she said, "There are two sides to this coin. We have to own up to the fact that women, since time immemorial, have gone out of their way to make themselves attractive, and unfortunately, it has backfired on us. And this is where we are today." That's the full quote. Now. The pylon was basically like, it's um, victim shaming. She's saying that we're, you know, because we try yeah. to look beautiful, we get sexually assaulted. Within the same interview, she said, um, 
although it's awful to say we can't make ourselves look as attractive as possible without being knocked down and raped, should women be prepared for this? No, they shouldn't have to be. There's no excuse for that. So, like, contextualised, it's... it. She qualifies what she's saying, but the internet absolutely fucking came for her. Yeah. It's, um... It seems it seems a classic case, doesn't it, of like somebody who has not been prepackaged yeah. <laughs> and PR'd yeah. saying something that then later on they've gone, I don't think I meant it like that. But by that point Too late. the quote exists, the fact remains. Yeah, it's out there. That's what it sounds like. I mean, God knows I'd never excuse a quote like the the former because obviously yeah that's that to me is victim shaming yeah <laughs> and but also it feels if that feels like it I'm really glad that, that second one exists because that feels like it stands against everything she's talking about even in her exercise video exactly in her iconic exercise video I, I and bless her when she does the state that gave the statement about it she said how personally wounded she was by it and you can imagine that this like how how would it fit? Obviously, if people do say things which are inappropriate and victim shaming, we are right to criticise them. But she didn't say that, and she got this unwarranted, like hounding. People were ready. They were know. they were out for her. They were out for blood. And oh, bless her little face. I I can't. Oh, oh mm. I can't. I can't. It's also that thing which I think in some point in the future Germans are going to have a word for which is that feeling when you see a beloved name trending on Twitter yeah yeah exactly the the sudden like panic when you go are they dead have they said something awful what's happened yeah what's Jeff Goldblum done like that sort of feeling yeah it definitely should be like a multi-syllabic German word for that feeling yeah yeah definitely um but we can all rest easy and know that Ange did not mean those comments so no poor old thing oh poor love i know but that's basically us up to date with Anne. she's 95 she's going strong and she is the diva we the diva we deserve (laughs) oh how do you feel i have just absolutely loved talking about her and hearing more (laughs) about her i know i know right i've just even i i thought i was obsessed with her and now (laughs) And now I think she is a goddess. The more I hear, the more I love. Yeah. And like, I just love that thing about how it all began, about how it all began by her going, I'm good at these things. Yeah. So I guess that's those things, the things I'll run with. Yeah, exactly. It all started with that. I'm going to put on my act and she's still doing it 95 years later. It's just so fabulous. It's so fucking fabulous. So rare as well. You get an icon who you, the fir- the deeper you delve, the more you love. Rather than the deeper that you delve, the more complicated, <laughs> problematic it becomes. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's too often not the case. Whereas with Anne, it's just like, this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good. Oh. I also, um, I also love that it didn't really kick off until she was 37. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right, yeah. That is course. really exciting. Yeah. That that is a, that is real conviction in your own skill, you know? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And doing the work as well and and looking after yourself, plugging away and still doing And your three it. kids? Having three kids. One of them is, you know, your adopted son as well, like good for you, Ange. Yeah. The world will be a very sad place when she when she's no longer with us. I yeah. adore that woman, and I adore you. You are just, <laughs> you are so wonderful. It's been so fucking lovely having a lovely. I have had such a nice time, and oh it's now God. been like seven hours, and yeah. I don't want to leave. Still going. <laughs> Ooh. Who else can we talk about? I know. <laughs> well, babe, you know what? You any time you want to talk about a diva, you know it'll come. <laughs> and, do. Oh, do the towers. Thank you so much. Um, so we on our last episode, we asked you about uh, anything you could plug. So just to, for anyone to to reiterate where we can find you, where can people find Rebecca Humphrey's content? I guess screen wise, you can find me um, in Friday night dinner on all four in trigonometry on iPlayer 
And then I'm on social media at Bex Humps. That's what we want. We yeah, want the content. Get the content. Get on the, the trowel. Hungry content. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah, that's delicious, tasty content on the trowel. <laughs> it's so good. Steaming hot content. Do you know what? Sorry, I don't know if I said this in my introduction on, on part one, but it's so refreshing that you don't have any um, advertising. It's just like this, 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 these are products which I like. I think if you like me, you'll like them. It's so authentic. It's so brilliant. Yeah, we um, we get offered a lot of free stuff, but it's really interesting when you go to them. You know the concept of our website, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is that Google. <laughs> if we don't like it, we will slag it off. Yeah. And like love to take it, but you're at the mercy of that. Yeah. And you'd be really surprised how many big companies that go, oh, never mind. But the back the fuck off. Amazing. Yeah. Just out of interest, how many, how often or do, has anyone ever just gone, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Really? That's good. They do. Good to Lots know. of people have real conviction in their stuff. And obviously like there's, there's something psychological about that as well, because the second that they go, not afraid of you, you go, something in this. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah, play. Yeah, the ones that you want. That's, that's probably good. Yeah. And then yeah. before you know it, you're putting it on going, before you've even, it's even slapped your face going, well, this is good, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And, Take and, note. Yeah, exactly. And you run that with your best mate as well, which is lovely. Yeah, Claire, yeah. She's great. Dreamy. So yeah, guys, get out there, get that get that content and uh we, uh, oh, I've got, to, I've got to sign off hang on <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy if you did and you want to reach out and have a chat share your BDE stories with us maybe even your own and related stories or just tell us which diva means the most to you you can tweet us at Diva Energy or email us at bigdivaenergypod at gmail.com it's that medium glass of rosé isn't it <laughs> done the job isn't it <laughs> uh, this podcast is a Dark Matters production if you thought we were EGOT worthy then don't forget to like and subscribe alternatively if you think we were more shame than maim then you can get, get in, in the, the sea. sea goodbye bye everyone bye, bye. bye.